0: Welcome to the new Every experience with God's word promises to be refreshing and transformational Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light and a fresh anointing to your life Father in the name of Jesus we thank you this morning for your power, for your word, for your spirit For this church Thank you for that which you are doing in our midst that is very strong, very tangible, very evident, and at the same time, very mighty. Spirit of the living God, you are the ruler of the earth. This morning, let the teaching and the preaching of your word come with simplicity yet powerful. Let there be diverse miracles. Let the ministry of the angels of God be fully activated in our midst. And as I speak, let there be healings, deliverance, illumination, strength, and great grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can you hold the hands of your neighbor and let's pray for just one minute. Shera brakatomba redi zavara katomba katre deligos cobra hacted ba lahakrasuzuz zambrosh tele pelevangre ke pumbra katel Zambrodiga zambro diga fakre ele montrosa jintr bondro pali agapa rane mongro pele doso sofa ra katre di bondro pele Mentre vous crapa loin de que pondrochette de la cabradai rende bon groupe elevangrasqui de bon telegre de le bon rapates. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Media I can see 20 minutes here. Is that a collab? Is that eh? Ah PD. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I think the plan is. We plan to give PS one hour, but we'll start with 20 minutes. And then you saw that you saw that video, right? When your pastor says he has 10 minutes. He wins. ah This morning I want to teach on um, a parable in the Bible that God put in my heart to teach this morning, and I will be teaching on the parable of the prodigal son. Now, this teaching is sort of like an aftermath of the feast, but not only is it an aftermath of the feast, it's actually a preparation message or a preparatory message excuse me a preparatory message for the next year and where you are right now and by the help of the Holy Spirit I want to help bring out something from this subject this parable of the portugal son and you will see how applicable this parable is um, in your life contrary to popular opinion where we think that this parable only speaks to um, the repentance of the prodigal son, this parable speaks to many other hidden truths apart from the repentance of the prodigal son. In fact, if you read this parable, which we're going to read in a moment, you would realize that it's not only about the prodigal son. Um, this parable also spoke about the father and this parable also I lighted majorly on the brother. However, one of the things I always like to tell people when you read the parable of Jesus is you have to go back to the very beginning so that we have context as to the purpose of the parables. Because you see, what happens many times is that we read parables in isolation as a story, but sometimes we don't understand what it was talking about before the parables was shared. Now, if you read the parable of the prodigal son, you will realize that that was the third parable Jesus was speaking about in a conversation with the task collectors. In other words, if you only read the parable of the prodigal son in isolation, you would not truly understand what he was talking about, especially when he was talking about the first parable and the second parable, then he buttressed his facts with the third parable, which was then the parable of the prodigal son. In fact... The two parables preceding the parable of the prodigal son was very connected to the parable of the prodigal son itself. And so if you don't read the first parable and the second parable, you would explain the parable of the prodigal son in isolation to itself, away from the real context as to why Jesus even offered to share that parable in the first place. So let's read from um, Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 1. And when we read Luke chapter 15 verse 1 We're going all the way down It's a very long read um, And so we're going to have to be fast reading it So let's start from verse 1 Luke chapter 15 and verse 1 I'm going to read from the NKJV It says Then all the tax collectors and the sinners Drew near to him to hear him So you see They were astonished by his hearings and his teachings What manner of wisdom does this guy exude? So the Bible says that the tax collectors and the sinners, don't let's forget that. The tax collectors and the sinners, all right, please, if you're watching, if you're physically present, let's share the link of the service. Please bring out your phones if you can and let's share the link. It's one of the supernatural way of evangelism to reach the lost. There are many people who join the church services come to know the ministry of the new just by joining online because you made that happen by sharing the link. So I want to encourage you to, to do that. Glory be to God. Now, then the task collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Verse 2. And the Pharisees, look at that, in the midst of the task collectors and the sinners, there comes the Pharisees and the scribes complain saying, while the others were hearing Jesus, the others were complaining. Look at what their complaints were. This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke these parables to them saying now what happened right there is that it's likely that while the task collectors and the sinners were sitting to listen to Jesus, the scribes and the Pharisees sat right there with them and were like look at this man, what is he doing with sinners? Look at what he's doing here and God, the Bible says and Jesus heard them and spoke this parable saying, so the first parable he spoke about here was the parable of the lost sheep The parable of the lost sheep. Now let's go there and look at what this parable speaks about. Verse 4. What of a man, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder. You remember those pictures that you see online? Rejoicing, verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just just person who needs no repentance. Now, if we understand this mathematically speaking, what Jesus was trying to do here was to give an equation of percentage. So 1 out of 100 is 1%. Glory to God. I want you to follow me. Yes or yes. Alright. So he's saying that if one man would go all the way for 1%, 1%, in order to get back just 1%, he was then going to the other parables to expound on it what it would go and do if it was 50% in the case of two sons. Do you understand what I just said there? Now, let's go to the next parables because we're going to join all of this together in a moment, which is the parable of the lost coin. In that same parable, Jesus started speaking to them again, giving them another parable. And look at what he said there. He says, Or what woman? This time, he decides to use a woman so that there is um, equality. Amen. Women in the house. Uh huh. Glory to God. We in verse what? Please help me. Verse 8. On one or what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Verse 9. And when she has found it, she calleth together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which are lost. And verse 10. Even so I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Now, if you look at that, explaining it using mathematics, you will see that he increased it from 1% to 10%. Glory to God. Now, he was trying to put a claim as to the importance of the life of an individual. Now, in the next parable, which is the parable of the prodigal son, he then brought these two parables and put them together to explain to the Pharisees and also to the scribes what he was trying to say to them now let's go to the main parable which we're going to look at in a moment which is the parable of the prodigal son verse 10, verse 11 and so he said a certain man somebody say a certain man can I hear you louder, a certain man had two sons, somebody say two sons it says, the youngest said to the father, Father, give me the portion of thy substance that falleth to me. And it divided them is living. Listen to what he said there. Okay, I'm reading the S A S V. Let me try and look at the NKJV. Let's go back, please, a little bit. Please go back, media, a little bit. Thank you. And the youngest said to him, to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. So it divided to them is livelihood. Now, we've read the Bible, read the Bible, and we understand that from the Bible, many times in the Old Testament, even in the New, when the father wants to apportion his livelihood, his property is usually at the point of death. But this time around, this guy comes to his father, his father wasn't planning to die yet at least the Bible doesn't have any record whatsoever that indicates that the father is about to die comes to the father with audacity and boldness and says to his father father give me what is mine and look at what the Bible says so it divided to them is livelihood to them is livelihood to them if it was to one it would have said to him he did not say to him he said to them Which means the two of them The two sons The property was divided to both of them Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following me? Now let's go to the next verse Verse 13 It says And not many days after The youngest son gathered all together journeyed to a far country And there wasted his possession with prodigal living Stop right there And let me explain what this means to you it says, not too many days after. This also gives us an indication that contrary to many people's opinion, after the son had asked for his father's right, or his own right to have his own properties and his own livelihood, contrary to many opinion is that, oh, the guy took it, and on that very day, he carried his things, carried all the property, and left. But the Bible says, and not many days after, which means that while he had collected the property he was still in the house of the father in other words he was still eating from the father's plate he was still enjoying the benefits of the father look at the reaction and the body language of the father in this text the father wasn't like oh you you mean I've not even died you asked for my properties now take my properties get out, get out, get out, get out it tells us that this son also chose the day he left are you following me? the father didn't put him under pressure to leave the father didn't say, now you have your own share. It means that he had collected his own share and he was still eating from the share of the father. Glory to God. Is someone following me? Now the Bible says "Father, that I'm to a far country. Usually when the Bible speaks about a far country, Israel is the promised land. When the Bible speaks about the far country, it usually talks about two countries. Number one is the Assyrians. Number two, the Egyptians. Now, in this text, the Bible didn't tell us which country this was. But when the word far country is used, especially in this context, it was talking about somewhere that is far away from where it can actually reach easily. So it went to a very far country. We're not talking about between here to Maryland. It's not as far. So, if I say a far country is like I'm moving from Lagos and I'm going all the way to Maduguri, now that's a very far place. So, he went to a very far country, the Bible says, and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. Amen. That let me say something, listen to me very carefully. Contrary to people's opinion, also that he wasted his possession, think about it this way if you come from a family that they give you three meats to eat every time you are eating. You have three meats in your plate. You go to your cousin's house for holiday and your cousin's house, you share one meat. By the time you are sharing that one meat, what will be going on in your mind? I'm suffering here. But in the cousin's house, they are joyful that they have meat to eat. So everybody explains the reality of their life to the context through which they grew up. Now, the Bible here talks about this guy living his life. Why? Because he was used to plenty. He was used to having more than enough. He was was used to having a lot of things in his disposal. So in his mind, if this one finish, another one go show. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen to the mindset of the Father. I kept you in my house. Fine. Even though you took my property and I want to go, I still kept you. Now, the other mindset. So you are seeing a mindset of abundance. Please follow me very carefully. Follow me very carefully. Now, he got to this place and wasted his possession with prodigal living. Just eating, enjoying himself, living his life, believing that one day, even if this thing finish because I'm used to it. You know, there are people who are not used to scarcity. But there are people who are used to scarcity. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 14. Look at what the Bible says. And when he has spent all. Somebody say all. It man that he has exhausted himself. There are times in your life you've spent all. You've exhausted your, your strength. You've exhausted everything that you know you can give back. You've done everything you know in your power. You've exhausted all. <laughs> the Bible says when he has spent it all. There arose a severe famine in that land and it began to be in want. Now pause there. How come there was famine in that land while he was there? Now the Bible didn't tell us why. But let's make some suggestions as assumptions. Why was there a famine? Could it be that that famine necessitated his return to his father? Could it be that that famine in itself is a hard cry prayer from the father to create a situation that would cause the return of that son. Follow me carefully I'm going somewhere with you the Bible says and then he arose and severe famine in that land and it began to be in want. It meant that this is somebody who always has a lot of things in his disposal all of a sudden is in want. Remember if you went to boarding house for some of you that went to a very good boarding house and your parents were very gracious to you. When you are going, they pack Milo three for you. I mean, am I together? I know some of you, yeah, you're from like that family. So you, you cannot identify with lack. You cannot identify when there is not enough. You always have more than enough. So the Bible says this guy got to a point where he had no choice but to start identifying with lack. Now go to the next verse. Verse 15. And when he went and joined him, the Bible says, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, that far country. And he, and he sent him into his field to feed the swines. Next verse. Verse 16. And he would gladly have filled this, his stomach with the pods with the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Next verse. Verse seventeen. But when he came to himself, in other words, he was in the swine, and he had no choice but to eat. So while he's serving the, now where we they walk, now here with chop. So while he was serving them, say, so let me just skip this one for the road, you know, just keep this one for the road. So while he was serving them, all of a sudden, the Bible says he came to himself. And he was thinking to himself How many of my father's hired servants Have bread enough to spare And to perish with hunger Look, listen to that Do you know why the thought of servanthood came to his mind? Because at the time he was doing that job He was a servant He left as a son But was then operating as a servant So the thought in his mind Was a servant's thought Because he was operating as a servant Do you understand what I'm saying there? So, the conversation in his mind left from sonship to servanthood. He was no longer thinking as a son. The son that can tell his father, give me all my property, and still stay in his father's house. Cross leg, then when he's ready, he goes on his journey. Gets to the place with so much money with himself, eating everything that he likes, because he believes that somehow, somehow, money will come. Then all of a sudden, he was taken down to go and feed swines. And right with the swines, as a servant feeding the swines, he started to see himself with the image of that servant. No longer as a son. Now a servant. Perspective changed the moment he changed location. Perspective changed. Now watch this. And when he came to himself, he says, How many of my father's highest servants have bread enough to spare And I perish with hunger. Next verse. Verse 18. Look at what it says. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Next verse. Watch this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Wait a minute, what changed? Listen, the day he collected all his property from his father, he was no longer worthy. Yet, he still stayed in the house of the father. What made him then begin to think that now he was no longer worthy? Why? Because we could suggest that while he was feeding the swine and his interaction with that person, something was entering into his mind that began to change his perspective about who he was. this message this morning is for you and I want you to listen to it very carefully because we have come to the end of the year and I've found over and over again that at the end of the year is when people have the highest heart permutation and then come December 31st increased or renewed hope occurs until March and then the cycle continues for the next 30 something years of people's lives So listen to me very critically Now I'm no longer wanting to be called your son Make me like one of your hired servants Listen what he says Make me In other words You as my father would now tell me You are going to make me I've produced you as a son Now you are telling me to make you as a servant He says make me as one of your servants. Go to the next verse. Next verse. Verse 20. You know, this story here, the first percentage we saw was 1%. The length that you will go for 1%. The length that you will go for 10%. Now, it's talking about the length that a father that loves will go for 50%. Because there's two sons. 50-50. 50%. Look at what it says. And his father arose and came to him. But when he was still a great way afar off, his father saw him and what? Had compassion. 1 John 4 says, God is love. The word compassion there speaks of love. The father saw him and the love nature of the father went forth for that guy. The Bible says, And the father saw him and had compassion on him. Look at what the Bible says. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Listen. Listen to me very carefully. When Jesus was going to be taken by Judas, what did he do to him? Talk to me. When the Bible says, give yourself holy kiss, I hope you know that Is not the French kiss because that's what a lot of us would have not been doing anyhow. In those days, okay, let me explain it to you this way. There are religion or no societies, cultures that it is disrespectful to stretch your hand to shake someone, it's dishonor. When you see someone maybe the Emiratis and some of these guys when you go before them you bow you can go before a king and do your hand like this so when the Bible was written it was written in context to where are you following what I'm saying and the culture of the religion at the time now every time listen to this the word kiss is used in the Bible speaks of acceptance and togetherness so the moment the father ran to him and kissed him What the father was saying to him is you don't, please don't say anything else. What you are trying to say is unacceptable here. Stop talking. Oh my God. Stop talking. Don't say anything. Don't tell me I'm a servant. Now make me a servant. Don't tell me all of those things. You are, so the kiss indicates acceptance. You are my son. You belong to me. That's why He ran towards him. He didn't wait for him to come to him. Ran towards him, hugged him and kissed him. Take this one for the road. What should happen next? Next verse. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned (laughs) against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son after I've kissed you. Why are you allowing your experience before? How come your experience before is still creating what is coming out of your mouth? The kiss is enough. That kiss is enough. Let me tell you something. Do you know why the father, listen to what I'm saying to you. Do you know why the father killed the fatted calf? Because, see, where the guy was, he has not been kissed in a long time. So in his mind he's thinking I'm done for and I'm finished. So the father did that to prove to him that you know what, I'm going to do something higher for you. To let you know that if this kiss is not enough I'm going to kill the fatted calf for you to let you know that I still love you irrespective. Oh, but thanks be unto God? That not only do we have the word of God as a kiss to us we also have the lamp that was slayed once and for all for us. Glory be to God. Listen guys, this is the consolation you must have in a time where the year is coming to an end. But we're going somewhere. Keep going with me. Go back to the next verse. The preceding verse. But the father said to him Bring out the best robe And put it on him Put a ring on his hands And sandals on his feet I always love this one every time I read it It suggests to us also That the father Did not give him everything when he was going So he thought that all was squander everything But unknown to him no matter how much you want to take from the father, you can't take him finish. The multi-breasted one. In other words, he gave him all the property, yet there was a sandal that fits his leg, yet there was a robe that fits his shoulders, yet there was, are you getting what I'm saying? Gave him everything. He was still in the house. It meant that the thing was still waiting for him in the house. Even if it was not available when he left, He provided and produced it again for him to have it. That's why he tells us that the father was waiting for his return. He was standing outside, waiting. That's why he could spot him quickly when he was coming. Now, he said to the servants, go. You know why he used the servants? He didn't go and give it to them first. He was trying to show him that this is the servants. You are separate from them. You are separate from the servants. Let the servants go and do it. You you are his son. It was proving to him sonship. Glory to God. That's why the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? You can control, delete that if, because if is conditional. Now we know that Christ has died, so it's no longer if God be for us. Now, God be for us, who can be against us? Glory to God. Look at what the Bible says, but his Father said to us, okay, next verse. Let's go to the next verse. And bring the farted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Next verse. It says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to marry. The servants were nothing beside them. they they it tells us, it also suggests to us that even the servants, they've missed parties. Because if you look at the life of that guy, it looks like the guy that has been the one declaring the party in the house. So the servant has missed the guy. Where have you been? We don't miss party for this house now, because his interaction with his father, father, give me my property. He tells us that the son is the forward one, is the one that wants things. So the servant say, yeah, party. What song were they singing to? Who be that guy where they, where they, where they, where they, where they? Amen. They began to marry. Next verse, give it to me, verse 24. This is where trouble starts. It says, Now, verse 25, verse 25. Glory to God. All right. Now, his other son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Next verse. He had music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked, What these things meant? Next verse. And so he said to him, Your brother came, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Listen. How come that servant? What he spotted about or what he spoke to was the fatted calf. Does this suggest to us that there had been several conversations with the older brother about this fatted calf with the servant? <laughs> no go touch my goat. He's just going out in the morning say, No run me street Let me get that goat. Let me get that go. So the guy who probably they've been having that conversation over and again to, do you see that what that guy came to do is what we call abosi? It's like hey, they don't collect down for your hand now. Show your eye it don't turn. Run to him and say, "It's the fatted calf." Do you know what angered him? Is the claim of the fatted calf. But that's not where we're going to. Let's keep going. Next verse. Glory to God. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Next verse. Verse. All right. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. Oh, this is so powerful. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet, you never came, you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends when we read verse 11 let's go to verse 11 of this verse of scripture verse 11 verse 11 11 media go to verse 12 and the younger of them said to the father father give me the portion of goods that fall on me so he divided to what? To them. Now in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible says that the firstborn will receive a double portion. So what we sometimes call double portion of spirits in, com- in biblical context, when we speak to that it's talking about the fact that the firstborn has the right of inheritance and so if you go to your father's house or you go to somebody's house and you give, you have five children there, when you see the five children you give them one, one thousand, when it comes to the firstborn you give him two thousand. So in other words, everything that the father shared with them, the first and the son, it is very likely that the firstborn even had more. So if he was going to give the fatted calf, who was going to get the fatted calf, the firstborn? So he divided it to them accordingly. Now, if you go back to the verse of scripture that we just read, go back further now, very quickly as I begin to wrap up. Right. Likewise, I say to you, no, 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 no. I think it's 21. 29. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm born of God. I'm loved by God. It says, The younger of them said, Amen. Somebody has stolen their fatted calf. (laughs) Glory to the Lord. And so he answered and said to the father, Lord, this many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you gave me, you gave me a young, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make, that I might make merry with my friends. Next verse, verse 30. Look at what the father says. But as soon as the son, this son of yours came who had devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him think about this for a moment does this suggest to us that the reason why this elder son had been living with the father was all about this fatted calf even though it was his but he never let claim of it but look at what the father was thinking you had me all along but what you still want is the fatted calf you had me but this son of mine had all the possession but he wanted me the reason why the second son came back was not for the fatted calf the fatted calf was a byproduct of coming back to the father the reason of his return was the father not the fatted calf the reason of the first born staying was the fatted calf not the father you see that is the prodigal firstborn, the older son one came back for the father another stayed for the goats Glory to God. Let's close this up. Verse 31. Glory to God. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. So he was saying to him, now you get me. In the equation of things, listen to this, my goodness God. In the equation of things, this guy, who is the, the son that left, was even bankrupt of me. Had nothing in his possession. You have always had me. If you wanted anything, I'm going to give it to you. You had me all along. How come you are not celebrating the fact that I stayed longer with the father? I've not experienced the downfall of my first son, my my brother. I've been here longer. How come your eyes is in, in the immaterial, the inconsequential, the owner of the fatted calf? Why is your eyes not fixated on me? Who produces the fatted calf? He says, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Next verse. Verse 32. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. Let me close with this. I've been a pastor for five years now and I understand this very well. At the end of every year, I find out that Get to do more. What's the name of that thing again? When you when you speak to people regularly, skip my mind now. Canceling. Why? Because people get deflated by what did not happen all through that year. And their eyes is more on the goats producing God. Than the God that produces no, pardon me. Their eyes is more on the goats that can be produced by that God than the fact that they have that God, and if they have that God, they have everything. Romans 8:32. He that spared not his only son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he? not with Him, glory to God, freely give us, come on, say it. I wish I could tell you that in the realms of the Spirit, there is no calendar of January to December. It is on the earth we use that as a system of oppression so we know the end of a circle and the end of another circle even though it is respected by the heavens but there is no calendar where which God says this is how it has to be done. It tells you in other words that look at me guys it is very possible that a year in your own calendar journey is part of the 12 years in which um, 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 David has to stay at the backside of the desert. It's very possible. And guess what? that's very okay now let me ask you a question the firstborn the first guy who took all the things and left the younger one when listen to this when we, they have a service like this and it's time for thanksgiving are you aware of how the guy would dance you know why listen to this he would dance because he understands what he calls, what is called the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation. That even though I was not present, I was still accepted. The way he would dance would be different from the way the firstborn, the firstborn would dance because I stayed with my father and so therefore I have the fatted calf. But the one that went will come back and dance because I left, yet my father accepted me and still gave me the fatted calf this is the standpoint of grace. This is the theology of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we call righteousness. That it's a gift of salvation. You didn't have to do anything for it. While you were yet sinner, the Bible says, Christ came to die for you. The concept of federal headship. That while Adam existed, we existed in him. If the United States of America goes to war, And the president of the nation declares the war. Guess what? The whole United States of America is the one that's gone to war. Even though the federal head is the one that declares the war. They will not say Barack Obama went to war. Or George Bush went to war. No. The United States of America went to war. The concept of federal headship. In other words, the person who is the head makes the decision of others. The moment Adam sinned, we were all inside him. That sin was not just Adam's sin. It was you and I's sin. But thanks be unto God that Christ came Die for us once and for all and if that's all you get in Christ now I'm not saying that's all you get but we can anchor your life with that that if he could spare not his only son my life is settled I want to close with this I beg you don't let a year be the thermometer and the thermostat of your joy Rejoice again I say to you rejoice give me the scripture quickly Second Timothy nine one nine Second Timothy one nine Glory to God are we there? Alright, we're going to read this and then we're going to read the message and then the TPT. One, two, three, go. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and what? Grace which was given to us in Christ. Alright, let's read the message translation. One, two, ready, go. no, 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 no. I I just wanted to read verse 9 alone. Verse 9. Verse 9. Thank you, Lord. Let's read it together. The message translation that we read, the TPT. One, two, ready, go. Who first saved us and then called us to his holy work? Give me the TPT version. drew us to himself by the holy calling on our lives and it wasn't because of any good we had done but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union even before time began. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Let me put this in your spirits this morning. Don't be perturbed. God is for you. Yes, come down. You have more years to live on the earth than you have spent already. Be careful for nothing. Put your, put your mind at rest. Oh, why is my life like this? Oh, why is my life like this? How come I'm not saying this right? Oh no, no. great, 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 great but why not find perspective that if let me say this I think God loves the concept of jackpots that in a chess game you can be playing it, playing it, playing it playing it, playing it and it looks like the person is winning all of a sudden the Bible says are they known they would not all of a sudden like bruh, 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 bam, jackpots it is sweeter when the opponent thinks You know the kind of match that we love to watch I'm a football lover I love when Liverpool beat Barcelona Our hope was gone We thought we were not going to win All of a sudden at Anfield 4-1 or something is it 4-1 or 4-3 Only people that love Liverpool should talk oh. First goal, second goal And then It's like okay Is it about to happen Third goal palm then fourth goal you know the jubilation and the emotion that you see with that sometimes is to make the end of your story sweet today I want you to rejoice and dance like the way the first the prodigal child would dance are you ready are you sure You are still sitting down. Somebody rejoice. Make noise to the Lord. Somebody shout, Thank you, Jesus. Shout out, Thank you, Jesus. Shout out one more time, Thank you, Jesus. They thought it was finished. I even thought it's all over, but I know that I serve Yahweh Sabbath. Oh God, God, glory, 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 glory. That's why the Bible says, rejoice. I say to you, rejoice. When you fall in all diverse temptations, it says Your light afflictions, which is for but a moment. Light afflictions. (laughs) Glory to God. Which is for but a moment. I'm just waiting for them to just... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody clap to the Lord. Clap to the Lord.